Cal here. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today marks our second week in this little house-to-house -house thing, and so wherever you may be, uh, perhaps you're on a Zoom call with your group or you're uh, like bundled up on a couch, uh, wherever you may be, um, the invitation to us all this morning is to pursue the presence of Jesus. And I, I, I say that before we get into the bulk of our teaching, just to remind you that the church has not ceased. The church has not stopped. Our gatherings has, have ceased for a short period of time here, but Jesus is still building his church. And today we, we just want to give fresh expression to that reality, that Jesus is at work through the power of his spirit. And so let me now just offer up this prayer of gratitude, a prayer to kind of draw us to Jesus here. Uh, and so wherever you may be, um, whether you need to mute yourself and you want to pray along with me or uh, however this is, you get on your knees. Uh, but I just invite you to, to mark this time with an expression of prayer, one that says that you are open to God. Perhaps you put your feet on the floor, you open up your palms to say that you're willing to receive from him. So let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are faithful. And although we at times in this past week have like rejected your faithfulness, we've questioned it, we've wondered what's going on, we've just like crowded you out with noise, I would just ask today that you would fill me with your spirit that you would fill your church afresh with your spirit, that you would lead us to the feet of Jesus who is able to save us to the uttermost. And so God, would you stir our affections for Jesus? Um, would you empower us to be your church and to move toward one another with love, uh, be that with a phone call, a FaceTime, or perhaps uh, just dropping by in one another's driveways? So Jesus, we love you, we need you, we come to you now. It's in your name that we pray, amen. You see, before this thing jumped off stateside, uh, many of us in our little community here, we, uh, we gathered together, like physically gathered together. Ah, like do you remember those sweet moments of like spilling food and picking up after one another? It's like, it feels like those like waves of nostalgia are washing over us. Yeah, this was not too long ago. But we, we gathered together physically and we shared this meal together. And all we were doing is we were just taking a cue from the life and rhythm of Jesus of Nazareth as a community. We're, we're in this long haul through the gospel according to Mark. And, and today, I just wanna do the same thing. I want us to take our cue as we're, as we're drawing near to the presence of God from the fullest revelation of the presence of God, namely Jesus of Nazareth. And, and yet, it's gonna be a little bit of a subtle shift. You see, you didn't know this, but today is part one of a two-part teaching because today we're gonna to talk about rest. You know, this past week I was, I was having a chat with one of my friends and, and he's living under a shelter-in-place order in his state. And he said this thing that caught my attention. He, he said, I can't even fathom the whole world shutting down, let alone starting it back up again. And that little comment that he made, it, it captured something in my imagination. 
See, in, in 2 Chronicles 36, at the very end of the chronicler's long retelling of Israel's history from Adam to exile, he has this little line. And this little line is what queued up in my imagination when my friend made that statement. The little line is this. It says, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So right here, if, if you're new to the Bible, we just dove deep. You have like a, a prophet, exile, Sabbath. This is like a Bible trivia cocktail. So for a little bit of context, uh, for years now, in, God has provided opportunity after opportunity for the people of Israel to abide by the covenant. The covenant is this willful agreement that the people of Israel and God entered into. It's where statements like, they will be my people and I will be their God come from. And yet, every time that God sends them a messenger or a prophet to call them back to covenant fidelity, to faithfulness, they reject God. They mock his prophets. They shove aside his messengers. And what we see next, and what we see in that little response in 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21, is that exile is like God's holy reset. It's this holy rest for the land, and quite literally, a new space for the people to remember whose they are. And I was reading a blog of a gal who's actually at the epicenter of the virus there in Wuhan. And she described almost 50 days into her quarantine hearing birds for the first time. And it's not that the birds were never there, but they were so sparse and they were, she said they were crowded out by the traffic and the people. That, that, that line, crowded out. You know, there's this expression in the West, especially for those people who live here in the West, that we're money rich, but we're time poor. And that expression is made in comparison to the like bulk of the population in the world. But have you ever, have you ever felt that? Like where, where your time is being stretched so thin, it's like all the activities are just crowding out any of the space that you would have in your life. And I think for the first time, at least in my lived experience and, and possibly in many of our lived experiences, this is starting to flip starting to actually invert, where we have more time than we know what to do with. And I, I, don't, I don't really think there's like a need to convince any of you that this season is fraught with all sorts of challenges. There's relational tensions of how do we get near to people when we're social distancing. There's emotional tensions. There's like the very real neurobiological effects of isolation and stress and anxiety. There's spiritual challenges. How do I cultivate intimacy with God when like the, the physical body of Christ cannot gather together as it has in previous seasons? And there's some challenges that we're only beginning to understand. I don't, I don't think I have to convince any of us of this. But I, I wonder if this time that feels like an exile, one where we're wondering like, how can the whole world be shut down let alone start all over. I wonder if this is really a gift for us, church, like a time to pause with the hope of restoration ahead. A holy reset, if you will. 
a time for us to listen to the birds, a, a time to like quiet ourselves before the Lord and to take into ourselves new rhythms of rest. Amidst all the noise and the needs, our shuffled schedules and social distancing, I think this is what we need to talk about. So we need to talk about what does it mean to rest well? And when I say rest, I'm not talking about a day off. I'm talking about Sabbath rest. But before you assume that you know what I'm talking about, just pump the brakes a little bit and turn with me to the beginning of this whole story. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And we're just going to spend some time here uh, building out a brief biblical theology of the Sabbath. And so starting in verse 31, going to chapter 2, verse 3, this is what we read. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he has done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And I just want us to focus in on three things. First, notice the timing or better yet, uh, the, the rhythms of this process. See, the work is completed and then the rest comes. And here in Genesis 1 is this blueprint of sorts for how the cosmos and really uh, humanity are hardwired. We're creatures made for work and for rest. See, Sabbath is coded into creation. Rest is coded into this whole thing. It's literally the place where God sets his creatures to begin their whole existence. It's from this place of rest. And, and today we've, we often have this twisted. We think that we need to rest from our work. But what we see right here is that we actually work from our rest. It's this divine rhythm where our work is extending from this place of rest with God. That's the first thing. Second, notice the distinction of Sabbath. It's, it's right there in chapter 2, verse 3. It says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And what's fascinating here is that uh, the first time that holy is used in the Bible is right here. Now there's this kind of nerdy principle called the order of first mention that essentially suggests that the first time that you encounter a word in the Bible, it's this uh, reflexive point for how the word or the theme or maybe a motif even will develop the rest of the way through. And here, that word is holy. And it's the day itself that is holy. You know, it's, what's even more fascinating than this just being the first time that this word shows up is that when we think about the scope of all of the world's religions, this is a distinctive in the Jewish and Christian thought and in the Jewish and Christian imagination. So we know of many holy sites. There's rivers in South Asia, there's mountains, there's temples, there's physical gathering spaces. But for our creator God, the first thing that is sacred, it's not a space, it's not a shrine, it's a time. 
It's, it's time itself. And more specifically, it's this time for rest. And for us, that means that Sabbath is far more than a day off. And I just want to linger here for just a moment. See, a day off is a good day. It's a day when we do the work that we don't get paid for. So we, we mow the lawn, we do the laundry. Maybe if we're really bold, we do our budget. And now I know that this, this can become kind of uh, a hairy subject. <laughs> like, uh, what, what is work? What is not work? Now, I, I myself like to exercise, but for some of you, you would say that's something from the pit of hell. Like, no, exercise is clearly not for me. That is definitely work. But it's important that we see that the part of the holiness of the Sabbath is the absence of work. Now, it's kind of a wordy way to say that, but what I'm getting at is that the absence of work ushers in the restful presence of God. In the busyness, we are, we're crowding out the space where God wants to come in and be with his people, to be with his creation. I mean, how many of you have lost track of the days this past week? I have. Is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? What? What day of the week? I, I literally pull out my phone to see, okay, what day is it? Sabbath is a holy reset that allows God to order our days. And he does so as we, we, like, we do this thing where we give our work back over to him. And then with open hands, we receive with trust what he would have for us. And the beauty is, is that he would have himself for us. And right now, I think we have more time on our hands than we know what to do with. And so we're, we're either trying to like max out our calendars, we're looking at all the social media posts that are talking about scheduling and, and creating events and, and doing online happy hour or whatever. We're trying to just chalk it full. Or we feel lost in loneliness. And we, if we're honest, we just feel bored. Like we, we don't really want to do those things. We don't want to max out our calendars. We just want to veg out. Sabbath is a time of intentionally stopping, of, of, of ceasing to restore our soul. It, it reminds us of what it means to be human. You can't get that on a day off. A day off is busy. It's chock full of activities. Sabbath is a day of delight. It's a day to restore our souls, to remind us of what it is to be human in the presence of God. And lastly, and I think we need to hear this, Sabbath is wisdom. It's not a command. See, later in the Hebrew Bible and the Exodus account, God will call the people to remember and to keep the Sabbath day as a holy day. That is a command. But when you make your way through the rest of the Hebrew Bible, and then you find your way to Jesus of Nazareth in the New Testament, the Sabbath is nowhere commanded by Jesus. It's not commanded by the apostles. In fact, it's almost the opposite, that when the command comes, it's really the, the nature of the command that's confronted, but not the practice itself. See, what I mean is, is it's the, like, this fierce, intense obligation to the Mosaic law as the way to follow Messiah Jesus, that is the thing that's confronted, not the practice. See, there's these uh, Jewish followers of Jesus that are saying that if you really want to follow Messiah Jesus, then you need to receive all of the signs of Jewishness. You need the feasts and the festivals. You need the marks of the covenant. You need all of that stuff. Then 
you can rightly follow Jesus. But that is the very thing that the apostles confront, that the leaders in this emerging Jesus movement confront. See, for example, in a letter to a Jesus community, specifically these Jesus communities in this region of Galatia, the apostle Paul, he has these words for them. And he, he ends up saying this in uh, Galatians 5. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can flip on over there with me. Specifically, find your way to Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. And this is Paul's response to these people who say, no, 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 you need all the marks of Jewishness in order to follow a Jewish Messiah. Check this out. Coming from a Jewish man. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now, if you don't know what circumcision is, my recommendation is ask a friend, uh, maybe Google it after the teaching. But suffice it to say, circumcision is an external mark of faithfulness to God. It's, it's a mark that signals for men in the, of the Hebrew people that you belong to God. And so these people are coming along and they're saying, in order, in order to follow God, you have to do this specific thing in this specific way. And Paul says, no, 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 no. This, this is not the case. They don't count for anything, but it's only faith working through love. Sabbath is wisdom, not command. See, at, at the core, what Paul is getting at is that things like circumcision and Sabbath, there's actually an invitation there. There's an invitation to live with this complete trust and dependence on our God. Our God who demonstrated his faithfulness fully in Jesus of Nazareth, who by the power of the Spirit made a way for Jew and Greek, for slave and free, for male and female. All are welcome by grace through faith in Jesus' presence. But there's wisdom to be had in the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath is a time to affirm what's truest of us in Christ, regardless of our ethnicity or our gender or our socioeconomic status or whether we are isolated away in our homes or not. It's, it's to affirm that we are loved by God in Christ. And that's why Sabbath is this holy time. There's this Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann, who talks about Sabbath as this, this like, temple of time. It's, it's this architecture of time where in, like for the God who is every win, we get to enter into his presence as though it is a physical space, but it's everywhere. It's every win. And so it's, it's wisdom, not command. Because in Christ, we're covered by his finished work. On the cross, he says, it is finished. That means that whether you observe the Sabbath or not, you're not trying to earn God's favor in that. But in a moment, when we are literally being crowded out by isolation and busyness at the same time, I think the call for us, church, is, is to receive the gift of Sabbath, to receive the gift of divine disruption, to, to receive the gift of rest from a God who is saying, I know you are weary because rest, church, is for the weary. And if you're feeling like I am, I'm weary. Like, to, to be very honest with you, this is the last thing that I wanna be doing. 
I would so much rather be with you in the flesh, to physically be with you, to, to hear your voices singing, to see you coming to the bread and the cup, to, to be rubbing shoulders with you, to embrace you, to lay hands on you in prayer, to see your knees hit the floor in confession and to see you rise in the assurance of forgiveness. And yet this space, this space itself is a space that's reminding us that God is with us. And so right now, wherever you are at, I think the call for us is to resolve it in our hearts to be with God. My invitation is not to a command. My invitation is to be with Jesus. And it's to receive the, the wisdom of the Sabbath. See, quite literally, Sabbath means stop, like cease. And so I just want to give you four simple things to walk through. And then I'm going to read this excerpt from this gal named Ruth Haley Barton. So, so when you consider the Sabbath, consider it a literal ceasing of your work, where the work that you get paid for and the work that you don't get paid for, you set it aside. Like I said, you, you come with open hands and you give that work to God. And then with those open hands, you trust him for those moments. And now you're going to have to discern what makes the most sense. What can you give away? And if you can only give away three hours, sure, do that. If you can give away a full 24 hours like a Jewish Sabbath starting on a Friday night and ending on a Saturday night at sundown, do that. But give what you can, not what you can't. But if you can, I would so encourage you, go for the full thing. Cease that working for a full 24 hours. See what it does for your heart. See what it draws out. But, but don't just stop there. Then rest. Don't just stop there. Genuinely rest. Take time to like have a nap, to slow down your pace, to unhurry yourself, not to rush from one thing to another. So you're gonna cease and you're gonna rest and you're gonna feast. Sabbath is a day not about don'ts. It's a day about receiving God's gifts. And so for the things that you enjoy, take them in. Like take in the good food, open up a bottle of wine, do that. Feast on the gifts of God. And lastly, worship. Have moments where you pour your heart out to God. Not an intercession or petitions, but you just pour your heart out to him. You tell him how you're feeling, ask him what he's up to, and then listen. See, Sabbath is a space for us to grow in intimacy with the Father. Today, we're stopping right here. We're stopping with ceasing and resting and feasting and worshiping. And I'm not saying you have to have this all figured out by the end of your time today. Rather, I would just invite you to receive these words from Ruth Haley Barton as she talks about where to go from here. What's next with the Sabbath? If we, if we see that there is this rhythm in creation, that God is giving us this gift of time to be present with him, to not crowd him out, then what might we do? And I just, these words have been so encouraging for me. So here you go. Take a few moments to listen to your longings regarding the Sabbath. Where did you feel like a keen desire for the rhythms and practices described in the Sabbath? Where did you feel resistance? Or if you didn't feel anything, notice that too. 
For several days at least, use your time in quiet to just sit with your own longings and the issues they raise for you. Then, based on your desire and situation, decide to try one Sabbath. You don't have to change your whole life, not just yet anyways. Just look on your calendar for one day of the week, a day that's realistic for you and your family or just you individually, and set it aside for Sabbath. Consider what preparations and planning are needed and necessary for making sure that you set aside all types of work and worry for the day. And then she gives us these questions, and I would just uh, I, I would submit these questions to you just to kind of frame out how you might uh, pursue the God of rest in this if you are weary. She asks, what activities will you refuse to engage in so that the Sabbath is truly a day of rest, worship, and delight. What activities bring you delight, and how will you incorporate them? Now, don't plan it out too precisely. Give space for God to meet you in this. And then put the date on your calendar, and resolve it in your heart to do so, and then pray that God will give you the courage to do it. You know, Gateway, I think this is a high and holy call that we have to enter into rest, and so as you do this, consider Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to chapter 3, verse 6, and just, just allow yourself to be seen in those scenes, to, to see yourself into the story of Jesus, and see if you can identify the tension there as you're trying to identify your longings and what it might mean for you to rest in the presence of God. And so as you go forth today, as you enter into discussion, um, be willing to be honest with one another. Um, whether you grew up with this as language, um, be willing to say, like, what stands in the way of you entering into God's rest? If you identify as like an introvert, write these things down. Don't feel rushed. Like, take time to process this. If you need space to pray through this, we want to pray through this with you. Know that you can go uh, to our website. You can uh, fill out a little prayer request. We want to pray with you and for you. And so as you go this week, rather than a benediction, this is a challenge. Receive the gift of God's rest. Don't pass this time by. Please do not look back on these moments as moments that you watched another TV show, that you like would look back and say, God, the God of the cosmos met me in the midst of my fear, in the midst of my angst, in the midst of my boredom, and he showed me a new way forward. Lean in. Ask the question, God, what do you have for me in a space of rest? Mm -hmm.